Hi, friends. This is Heather Kim. Thank you for joining us for the podcast today. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Choose Life. They create beautiful and practical rosaries with unique features to bring the rosary into your daily life. Choose Life silicone and gemstone products are dreamed, designed, and made by a team of amazing Catholic mamas in West Michigan. The mission of Choose Life is to equip all Catholics with the rosary for life. Their silicone rosaries are super cute and the best for teething babies. They go above and beyond using high quality material made safe for your baby. I have one of their turquoise gemstone rosary bracelets and I just love it. It's not only beautiful, but practical. I have a rosary on me at all times and the rosary is one of the most powerful weapons of prayer that we have. So check them out at choosewife.com. That's C-H-E-W-S-L-I-F-E.com. We are so proud to partner with our friend and the founder of Choose Life, Shannon. We love how she is bringing her gifts to the world. We hope that you're enjoying our Lenten book study so far. And if you haven't started yet, you are most welcome to join in whenever you can. We have all the info on our website, along with a new Return to the Father's Love playlist that I made for you to accompany your prayer journey throughout this study. You can find that link and all the other info on our website at abidingtogetherpodcast.com. Just click on the studies tab and you'll see the Return of the Prodigal Son there. Thank you for listening and God bless you. Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Heitland, and every week I'm joined by two of my dearest friends, Michelle Bensinger and Heather Kim. This podcast is born out of our friendship of sharing all kinds of things together, our walk with Christ, our insights, our joys, sorrows, tears, and laughter, and you are most welcome on the journey with us. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast. We are deep into Lent and we are in part four of our series on Henry Nouwen's book, The Return of the Prodigal Son. And as usual, we've been having a little chat before we started recording. <laughs> so, so much good stuff has been said. We're like, oh, we should say this on the podcast. But how are you doing? Heather, Kim, we just want to check in. You just moved into your brand new house and we would just love to hear our listeners, I'm sure. How are you doing and how is it? Oh, thank you. And by the way, I must say, it was just so good to chat with you both this morning. It feels like it's been forever since we've just had a really good catch up. So that was super nice. Um, it's amazing being in our new house. I mean, I feel kind of bad. It's like Lent. I'm supposed to be suffering. Although moving is suffering, as anybody knows who's ever moved. There's nothing fun about that. But all of that is much overshadowed by this beautiful home that we're in. I just am like every day overwhelmed by the abundance of God. And really I walk around with a big smile on my face and a little tear will come out because I'm just so grateful. Um, and it's been a long, long journey. You know, we built this home, so it's been about two years that we've been waiting to get in there. And at long last, it fits very well with these themes of homecoming. You know, I was like, oh, talk about a homecoming. And this is nothing in comparison to the real homecoming. So yeah, it's just been like very rich on a very practical level and with our family and also spiritually, it's been very good as well. So thanks everybody for your prayers and thoughts and well wishes is very kind. So 
Yeah. How are you, Michelle? That's good. Heather, you already lived your Good Friday and (laughs) (laughs) Easter Saturday, Easter Sunday. She had to move, clean her house, pack in like 24 hours before the next family moves into her older house. So like, yeah, baby, that was a good Friday. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it really was. I am good. I am really good. I feel like we uh, like batch record a lot of these episodes. And so we're really only like in the second week of Lent or the first full mm-hmm. week of Lent right now and we're recording this, but I feel like Lent, um, these 40 days and nights feel like a long time because we're only in the first full week of Lent and I feel like it's been Lent forever. Not mm. in a bad way, just like it is It's spring cleaning. I think Lent is like spring cleaning. I think it's in that season for a reason and the Lord is just opening the windows to a lot of things and letting fresh air come in mm. and um, yeah, it's just exciting. So I'm good. Sister Miriam, how are you? I'm doing well. I am deep in the in the deep south this week doing a parish mission at uh, in Lafayette at Our Lady of Wisdom in Lafayette. And so it's always wonderful to come to Louisiana. I love the people here and the food and the culture and all that kind of stuff. So it's a great gift to be here with you. And uh, yeah, it's been very pleasant. So I've been thinking a lot about so many people have come up. I mean, we have this experience all the time of people coming up to us and just uh, talking about the book study and just what they're doing for Lent and the book study. So I just uh, want to just, first of all, give a shout out to everybody who's on this journey with us. It's just been wonderful to hear how God is working in your life and what he's doing. And we just keep going, like keep going. Even if you haven't caught up with the reading yet, you're just fine. So just keep going. Cause you're going to love it. So mm-hmm. it's been really neat to see even on the private Facebook group, people interacting with the questions and just like sharing some of their insights. And I popped on there the other day and was like, how's it going? Like after the first week, how's everybody doing? How's it going? And just hearing people's responses and little photos of their group that they're meeting with. It's been awesome to see that. So well done everybody. Well done is right. So great to see. We love it. We absolutely love seeing it. And thank you so much for being on the journey with us. We just, um, feels like a big old group journeying the way home. I feel like, you know, Mm -hmm. we have a little posse going home. So it's awesome. Thank you. Yes, we are. Thank God. Thank God. We're all together on this journey. So we're going to talk this week. We're going to talk about the father and Henry Nouns reflection on the father and the painting and also just the God, the father as well. And so we wanted to pull out a quote that was just really beautiful. If you have the book, it's on page 94. And uh, Henry now is talking about Rembrandt himself as a person and just his painting, how it changed. And as we know that this painting of the prodigal son was probably the final painting that he um, that he did before he passed away. And so it's just very beautiful. Uh, uh, Henry Nouwen says, as Rembrandt approached death, he chose to portray a very still father who recognizes his son not with the eyes of the body, but with the inner eye of his heart. And we just kind of want to take that reality of God recognizing us, not with the eyes of the body, but in the inner eye of the heart and have it guide our conversation because that's what love does. Love sees to the heart. And on the next page, uh, he'll talk about the father's love. And I just want to offer this to our listeners as we kind of launch into this discussion about how, you know, he said how how much the father would have liked to talk to those, the children that that stray, to warn them against the many dangers they were facing and to convince them that home can be found and and at home can be found everything they search for, how much he would have liked to pull them back with his fatherly authority and hold them very close to himself so that they could not get hurt. But his love is too great to do any of that. It cannot force, constrain, push, or pull. It offers the freedom to reject that love or to love in return. 
And I think we know that as love is purified in our relationships and as we love people, that that's really the hallmark of love is the freedom of, of returning or, retur- you know, or leaving and being a welcoming uh, embrace coming home. So Michelle, for you, as we talk about the father who sees with the eyes of the heart and a father's love who, who gives us the freedom to leave and to return, how does that speak to you, especially in this season of your life? I think right now the Lord has me in such a, a cocoon season, like it's a beautiful season of healing in it, but it's a beautiful season of integration, right? Bringing all the different parts of me together. And uh, I, the three of us were talking beforehand and part of those seasons, I think the Lord brings us into different seasons of the spiritual life is it's not what we have to do. It's we have to make space for the father to move. And that is what I'm seeing. And there's just been a huge shift in my mind. Like I was like, okay, I have to, like, it's almost like I feel like I have to do my own healing or I have to, you know, make myself grow spiritually. Like it is me doing and it's no, it's making space for me to be with the father, creating space just for me to hear his voice, creating space for him to um, call me home and for me to be quiet enough to listen to the way that he is calling me home. And like I've said before, the word my word for the year has been romance. And I'm just really seeing one of the ways that the Lord has romanced me is he's torn down walls that have, um, I have put up for self-protection so that he can get to me, you know, that he can get to me. And that's just been a beautiful thing. And other seasons of my life, I would have like grasped and held onto them. And, um, because it's painful when walls come down, it's painful. There's like breaking and there's you know, ruin and stuff like that. But the difference is I am trusting the the father and who he is and the heart of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to go through the ruins because I know the pain of remaining is, will be even greater than the pain of going through. And I know the call of home is greater than the call of staying where I'm at and just Mm. keep on pushing through and keep on going. Mm. So what about you, Heather? That's like, oh, wow. That's some really good reflections. And I think it's very true. The enemy often tricks us into thinking that staying put in whatever it is, the pain, whatever we get used to, our way of living is, is easier than the pain of going through some, you know, a fire that refines us and where we come out the other end, something different. And, and it really is just a huge lie. You know, the pain of, of being distant from God and having these areas of wounds and sorrow are always greater you know, the distance is always greater than the pain of going through to bring something fruitful. And, and really that's the Paschal mystery. You know, we are called to follow the life of Jesus and follow his way. And his way was to suffer and die and rise, you know, not just suffer and die. And we're not just suffering and dying over and over again for the, for the sake of suffering and dying. We suffer and die so that he can raise us again to new life. So, um, anyway, I love that. I love just the reflections you had there. Uh, there's one quote that stood out to me just a little bit into the chapter, a couple pages in, where it says, the heart of the father burns with an immense desire to bring his children home. And I just thought, you know, subconsciously, many of us don't think that's what the father is all about. I think we can view him kind of as a taskmaster or um, that he just wants us to get things done. You know, there's just more things we have to get right. And we're constantly faced with our failures and we forget that his heart really is about a desire to bring us home. And, and what a sweet desire, you know, to fall into. And if I looked at my own wounds that way and, and my own places where I've fallen away from the Lord and my heart, that really his heart is to just bring me home. Like there's something very enticing about that. Like what a beautiful invitation, you know what I mean? 
instead of feeling like he's upset with me or that I've done something wrong or whatever. What are your thoughts, sister? No, that's really great. And I, I love even the verbiage there that his heart burns, like, which is like an intense passion, intense devotion. And I once heard uh, somebody say, I think they articulated it quite well. I always thought that God was mildly irritated with me. Amen. And just like the look of irritation on his face, so to speak of like, Oh, he did that again. And, and it's just this reality that we don't understand. And I, I think that's why we've talked about this so often. That's why we have to know scripture because scripture reveals the heart of God, of who God is, who God truly is, not who we think he is. And it's a reminder to us when we, when we fall into our paradigms of, of whatever, whatever they are, whether running away from home or like you were saying, Michelle, a couple of weeks ago about camping out on the street of, on, you know, an orphan street <laughs> or, you know, the, the fear that we have that God is just constantly a taskmaster yeah. that it reminds us of who he is and who we are. And that's what Henry now keeps saying over and over again. Like you are the beloved, like that's the truth of who you are. And we just need to hear that over and over and over and over again until it melts every cold part of our heart where we compare ourselves to other people or we want to be something different or we want to have a different story where we, you know, it's just all these, it just, it's an immense journey that we're on. And that the father is leading us, especially in the season of light. You know, we see the Holy spirit is the one that leads Jesus into the desert. It's not him going into the desert on his own. And we're not going into Lent on our own. It's being led by the spirit. So like, where is the spirit leading us in a certain, a particular place, especially during Lent for each one of us where, you know, where the Holy spirit wants to bring us home to the heart of God. And, and what is the spirit saying in this reality of who God is to each one of us, you know? Mm. And I love the whole posture of the father that Henry now, or Rembrandt takes, but Henry now focuses on. He talks about like in the gospel reading, the father runs out to meet the son. But in this betrayal, Rembrandt and Henry now talks about it, the stillness of the father. You know, the father is still and he's gazing upon, you know, the son. And I think that for us, we have to be, do we sit still or are we squirming around? Like, are we in that gaze? Can we sit in the stillness with the father? You know, and it's not, um, it's, there's something uncomfortable, like, about being in a gaze with someone, you know, they're like, stop looking at you're almost like, stop looking at me, Mm -hmm. stop looking at me. Mm -hmm. But there's like that inner stillness. And one of the beautiful things in this last season, spiritual season is, um, I really come to love St. John of the cross and which I would have never said that before ever, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like he was like a Debbie downer, but I have really come to love St. John of the cross. And there's a quote that's in my journal. It says, and the inner stealing, uh, inner stillness where prayer leads, the spirit secretly anoints the soul and heals our deepest wounds, you know? And it's just that inner stillness, that inner prayer and that inner prayer, inner stillness is that sitting in the gaze of the father, just being still and allowing him to look at us and embrace us and making, like I said before, just making space for us. But mm-hmm. when we make space for him, he stretches us. There's a response. Like he stretches our heart. He stretches our soul. He like, he makes us move in that stillness, which is such a like, you know, paradox right there. Like he moves us by sitting still, which feels really weird, but so true. And that's the journey home. That's t- taking the steps home, you know, and that's Lent and the desert. Mm. Yeah. There's that part where he talks about like the benediction, the blessing of the father, Mm. which is like the words and the touch of the father. And it says the father wants to say more with his touch than with his voice, good things of his children. He has no desire to punish them. Mm -mm. And I thought, you know, like how often do I sit and just let God bless me? 
like mm-hmm. really receive the blessing of the father. Like our, uh, my husband, Jake always blesses our kids with the, the benediction blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and bring you peace and all the other words that are in there. But he, he says that over our children all the time. And from the very beginning of their life, he has told them, what he calls secrets. We're redeeming that word secrets because they're not always good, but in this case it's good where ever since they were born, the moments they were born, he would just hold their ear close to his mouth and he would tell them all the things about them that are so good and how much he loves them. And he would just whisper to them, you know, Maria, I love you so much. You are so precious to me. I'm never going to leave you. You're so beautiful. And he would say to Judah, you're so strong, son. I love you so much. And And these secrets he has whispered to them over the course of their whole life, even now when they're teenagers. And, you know, that might be awkward, uh, but they don't pull away because every one of us wants to hear voice of blessing over our life. And Jake, he's a great dad, but he is nothing in comparison to God the Father. God the Father, the words that he wants to speak to us are the precise words that our heart needs to hear in every place of wounding, every place that is distant and and in a distant land still. God wants to speak blessing over all of those places. And really, how often do we sit and just say, God, what do you want to say to me? You know, how do you, what are the words of blessing that you want me to hear today? Because I think often we're like waiting for condemnation. You know, we're waiting for a voice of condemnation to come down on us, like get your crap together. You know, you're not getting it right. You know, do more, do better, hustle more. And uh, that's not the voice of our good father. Well, and I think that's really true, Heather. And I think how often we ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Or what can I do for you? Or how do you, versus like Jesus or, you know, can you just bless me? You know, there's just that something that's like when one of your kids crawls up in your lap and just wants to hang out there, <laughs> you know, and like that's uh-huh. such a tender, such a tender thing. And I, I love what Henry Nowens talks about, even at, we talk about the blessing of the father, just the fullness of when God blesses, it's the fullness of masculinity and femininity. And on page 99, you know, he talks about the difference of the hands and the painting is the father blesses the son. And they're actually one hand is feminine and one hand is, and one hand is masculine. And it's just a really beautiful nuance to the painting. And I just want to read you a little paragraph on page 99. Uh, for Henry Nowen says, as soon as I recognized the difference between the two hands of the father, a new world of meaning opened up for me. The father is not simply a great patriarch. He is mother as well as father. He touches the son with a masculine hand and a feminine hand. He holds and she caresses. He confirms and she consoles. He is indeed God in both manhood and womanhood, fatherhood and motherhood, and they are fully present. The gentle caressing right hand echoes for me the words of the prophet Isaiah. Can a woman forget her baby at the breast and feel no pity for the child she has born? Even if they were to get for to forget, I will not forget you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Mm, and I, I think that's that. just really that's true. And I mean, we see that it's such a beautiful thing that, you know, both man and woman are made in the image and likeness of God. And we talk about how God, the father reveals himself as father and creator, the, the origin of all, but the man and woman as we're both revelations of God, that we each have something to reveal uh-huh. of God. And so, you know, is I know Heather loves to quote the catechism quote that says, you know, no one is father as God is father. And that's very true. And like the, the fullness of all, like the fullness of all nurturing, the fullness of all affirmation. And, just the revelation of that, of that God is so tender to us, so tender and just desires to, as Jesus says, I long to bring you as like a hen brings her chicks. <laughs> you know, I, I long, I've longed to do that. And would we allow the Lord to do that with us this Lent? Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that is why when there is abuse of fatherhood and motherhood, it is so painful because it goes against the very nature of who God is as creator, as father, mm-hmm. as mother. And we, uh, after we started the series and recorded the series, the news broke of Jean Vanier. And I remember it was this, it was Saturday morning and someone had texted it to me early in the morning. And I was like, this can't be true. And I opened the text and, you know, read the news story and just started to cry, you know, because a man whose words meant so much to me, like his book on community and growth and becoming human. But both my husband and I have done stuff with the Larsh community. Like my husband and Chris traveled with him to Lourdes and, you know, really great priests that we know worked with him and just the beauty of uh, the, you know, the Larsh community is amazing. And just trying to reconcile a, a person that has been a spiritual father and a founder with the actions that, you know, have been accredited to him. It's just a hard reality. And just, I mean, I really grieved, you know, the first thing I did is send the, you know, text the article to sister and Heather, but I've just really been praying through that. And how do you reconcile that? And I'm like, Satan, you are not going to hijack, you know, the ministry that this man has done. Like there's a beautiful thing in the large community. I'm not, you cannot hijack that, but there has to be come to terms. There has to be personal holiness. There has to be like there. I think we still go back to ourselves like, okay, Lord, redeem anything in me, you know, that could hurt someone because that is a powerful thing, spiritual fatherhood and spiritual motherhood. And to have any kind of abuse in that is such a detriment, not only to the people it affects, but to the whole entire body of the church, mm-hmm. which is heartbreaking to me, like absolutely heartbreaking. And it just makes you like, is anyone who they say they are? Like it makes you question everything, you know, it does. But I was like, okay. And there's something in all of us that just want to um, lean back out and put walls up. But I was like, I will not, I will lean in and love and go through this, even in the mess, you know, even in, and I will not discredit everything. You know, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We will lean in and love in truth. With there is consequence, but just to keep going. I don't know. What are y'all's thoughts? Yeah, I mean that news is absolutely shattering. It's been shattering on multiple levels, and I I feel horribly for people in the Larsh community who put their trust in in him. And um, you know, the, it, they do amazing work. You know, and so that's what's so hard for people to hear, and especially because he set himself up to be this living saint and and a spiritual father. And we've seen over and over again with the abuses in the church, people who are really standing in the place of God in some way to be a model to us of fatherhood who have failed. I, I mean, we can't even fathom their failure and how, how how deep that impact has gone. And it says in that catechism quote that you brought up, sister, that, you know, human parents disfigure the face of God because of their failures. And, and I would say for spiritual parents as well, they disfigure the face of God when they fail. And, um, and that's what I think God needs to heal within us. We all have been hurt along the way, whether it be from our own parents or spiritual parents, or just knowing about these situations that have affected other people. And it does, it can't not affect our relationship and trust in God, the father and God desires to heal all of those places to really be the good father. There is no one who is father like God is father. He has a love that we, we have never known on this, where we are on this, on this earth. And so I think God really wants to transform and heal all the places that we have been wounded, especially by fathers and spiritual fathers. Um, 
it's hard to talk about, you know, because I wish that we could gather everybody we're speaking to, who, who knows who we're speaking to right now, but I wish we could all gather around a table and just talk face to face with each other. Um, but we can't, and these are hard things to, to tread upon. But I do know that God is good. He is a good father. And in no way do those people represent who God the Father is. You know, sister, what are your thoughts? No, that's very true. And, and it, it is hard to talk about. I know when I first read it, I was like, that can't be true. You know, you, that's just the first thing you want to be like, that That can't be true. And it is it is horrifically, it's devastating. Let's be honest. It is devastating to see somebody who's done so much good and for so many people to have such a crippling and uh, really um, poisonous strain of uh, destruction in their own personal life. Like that's really, and I think it takes a lot of maturity to, like you're saying, like you're both saying, to on the one hand, um, hold up when, I mean, the, it's, it is, it's not throwing the baby out the bathwater of looking at somebody and saying, this is, this human being is incredibly broken and the propensity for all sin is within all of us. Let's be very, very honest. Like I, all of us have a great propensity to do really horrific things and noticing that in our own soul and seeing that in the hearts of others and understanding like this to separate that of like, here's a man who's tremendously broken and it doesn't discount the work that he did in large, like that beautiful community. And so it's like, you know, when we hear about in the priesthood or religious life, you know, sometimes we just be like, I'm going to leave the Catholic church. I mean, we have to really stand, like we talked about in our very first season, a couple, you know, seasons ago, like we must stand firm and stand in maturity and say, okay, Lord speak, speak here. Like what's the truth so we can parse it out so we can choose what is most wise and to really allow the, I was just talking to somebody just the other day and I'm like, you know, as priests and sisters, especially, and I know Jean Vanier was a lay person, but like when you lead a ministry or when you're a priest or a sister and or you're in charge of souls like that, anybody who's mentoring somebody, we of all people, we of all people must, must, must allow the Lord to continually heal us over and over and over again. That is a non-negotiable. Like we have to be committed to allowing the Lord to come to the little places within us that would cause us to do something that destructive so he can heal that. So our love is blessing people Our it's not us breaking other people. And yes, we will all inevitably make mistakes. Uh, hopefully nothing, hopefully nothing as grave as that, but we must allow the Lord to come in and integrate us. Like there is no other way. And I, I don't know if I said this before, but Under Armour, their brand new campaign is called the only way is through. <laughs> the only way is I'm like, amen, Under Armour, because it is true. There is nothing. You can't go around the cross. You can't go underneath it. You can't go above it. The only way, my dear friends, is through. That's that's it. And it happens over and over and over. It's a Paschal mystery. It's a, it's a suffering death and it's the resurrection over and over and over again. And that is how we're made whole. And I wish we could tell you another way. <laughs> We've all looked for it, uh, but there isn't. There isn't. And so just to offer ourselves some grace here and understanding and compassion um, but not to err on either side, neither excess nor defect, right? To stand no. firm in the middle Amen. and allow the Lord to speak. And yeah, and there's no there's no way to experience resurrection without a death first. You, you have to be willing to die. And and that's where we need to be very courageous. We need to ask God for the courage to come out of hiding. You know, there are places where we are all hiding in various various levels, various places. And for Jean Vanier, yeah, it's easy for me to point the finger. That's a huge place of hiding that he was in. You know, well, I might not have places of hiding like that, but I do have places of hiding. And, and the Father is calling us to come out of the hiding. Like he's like, come home, come out of the hiding, out of the darkness, out of the hidden places where you've covered your shame. Just let me see you. Let me heal you. Let my the gaze of my my eyes, which are full of love, because he is love itself, you know, heal all these broken places. And and I think for us, like we need to have the hope remain in our hearts that Jesus 
can set us free from everything, that there is nothing outside of his reach. There's nothing that is too far for him. And so many people might be listening, but, but you don't know, Heather, you don't know this place or this thing that I've done or this addiction that I have, you don't know. And no one knows because this is, I can't bring this into the light. Those are the exact things that God wants to heal. And we see that mm. over and over again in the scriptures where Jesus doesn't just like ignore the young man who's died. He, he walks right up to him, you know, when the woman at Nain and he walks right up to the dead man and puts his hands on him and says, get up because he's not afraid. And there's nothing that is outside of his healing power and his reach. And so I think for, for many of us, we need to start asking the questions like, what would it look like for me to come out of hiding and experience real freedom? Mm. What would it look like if I really lived in the light? Yeah. Wow. I think that, yes. And these are the kind of questions that the desert offers. These are the desert questions that we ask ourselves, ask our hearts, ask our souls during Lent. And Henry Nouwen says, not only does the father forgive without asking questions and joyfully welcome his lost son home, but he can't wait to give him new life and life in abundance. What does it look like for the father to celebrate you? You know, like that's the question that we ask, like, okay, come home. These places that we are hiding, come home and let him celebrate you. Like asking those questions, where do we need to bring things to the light? Where are we hiding? And then on the same side, when you go through that process, okay, how is the father celebrating your homecoming? You know, how is the father celebrating your abundance? You know, he sets a table before you. He's prepared a banquet feast, you know, even just praying with those. What does it look like for the father to celebrate you and uh, really understand that the father is celebrating you and he's calling you home and that his um, embrace and his touch is a place of safety and a place of nurture and a place of protection and a place of goodness and to really trust that, not to give it lip service, but trust that with our whole being and see how he celebrates us home is a powerful, powerful, you know, image that we have to get to in our spiritual walk. Mm. Yeah. He talks about that a lot about like how many of us don't know how to rejoice. We don't know how to live into joy, you know, that we're overtaken by cynicism and depression and disappointments and setbacks. And we really don't know how to find the joy uh, in in God and in all of the things that He is doing, I think it's an it's an important reflection. He says, "Joy never denies the sadness, but transforms it into fertile soil for more joy." It's interesting. I'm like, oh, what would it look like for me to live into that? I don't, I don't know if I know. You know? Uh, it was so interesting this past Sunday. I was able to go to uh, our the church that we go to has a mission church. And it is a predominantly um, black church in a poor part of town. And it's a small church and not as many people go. And they just have one piano. And the joy of the Lord is in that place. Like I walk into that place and I am greeted like with hugs and squeezes. I mean, I even have a little bruise on my arm because one of the sweet little <laughs> ladies just literally hugged the life out of me. But I also love it because it's set up. Catholic Charities is right next door to it. And so you have people that are, It's a, there's a halfway house for people that have come out of prison. And one of the men there that I've gotten to know, um, is in the halfway house and, you know, he looks like a ragamuffin, but he was just so thankful to be at church. And they were singing this powerful song in church, you know, and it was an old, like spiritual, you know, uh, song. And it was just like, this is where Jesus would hang out. 
I was like people that have come out of prison, you know, not the wealthiest area and, but just so full of joy, you know, and simplicity. And I'm like, Jesus, you totally hang out here when you come back, you know, it was just, and I was thinking to myself, I got teary eyed because I'm like, this is the gospel right here. Like this is just, it felt like family and it felt like the gospel, people just wanting to be home and they were so joyful in mass. And I had Lily, my little 11 year with me and she goes, mama, why are these people so happy here? You know? <laughs> And so I was like, because they're home, because they are home. And, you know, and there's beautiful, there's just goodness and joy when you are home. Speaking of, so we're going to move into our one thing here, but I, it reminds me of the song, like, you know, we always think, think in songs. And of course, the two songs I'm thinking of is the, is it Stephanie Gretzinger, Come Out of Hiding? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the second one, is it Kenny Loggins who sang Celebrate Me Home? I was just thinking that. <laughs> There you go. I was just thinking because, that like song. the lyrics, because I'm looking at the lyrics. It says, you know, please celebrate me home. Give me a number. Celebrate me home. Play me one more song. Then I'll always remember. I can recall whenever I find myself too all alone. I can make believe I'm never gone. I never know where I belong. So sing me home. Right. I, that's like one of my favorite Christmas songs. I don't know why I have it on a Christmas play- playlist, but it's on a Christmas playlist. That's perfect song, sister. Kenny perfect. Loggins right now, oh. this is just a new step for us. <laughs> yeah, but if you do the footloose dance, it will really mean rejoicing. Like Heather, if you put that up there, let's see you do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are a funny girl. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's good to laugh, isn't it? It's just beautiful. I think it's That's true. Awesome. It's so easy to get attached to like the darker things sometimes. And I think joy feels dangerous because it makes us vulnerable and free. Right. But it's beautiful. Amen. Yeah, it's amen. Beautiful, so. And so, amen. I love it. So with that in mind, can those be my one things? <laughs> Celebrate me home and like come out of hiding. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I think it is. All right, Michelle, what's your one thing then? I have two one things as usual. Um, a good friend of mine that I got to meet because we did a women's event uh, last year in Virginia, a year and a half ago, is Marie Miller, and she has a new album out, and it is amazing. It is just so good, and I'm going to link it here, but her voice is like there is something deep and gripping about her voice, and I remember hearing her lead worship and turning around the first time I heard her lead worship, I'm like, girl you're good. Like you're really good. I mean, there was just something about her. Not is she like a very good musician, but there's just a presence about her music that I just love. So I am going to link her new album here and that is Marie Miller. And then the second, uh, one thing I have is one of the people that, um, follow us on Instagram as her tag is redeemed free. She had a beautiful, um, thing about mother Teresa. So let me be the one and talking about like how she wanted to be the one for Jesus. And I commented on the sticker because I absolutely love it. I love the whole saying and everything about it. And she sent me one and I just absolutely love it. So thank you so much. That was so kind of you. And I will send a link to that here. Heather, what about your one, two, three things? Well, my one thing is um, family and community. I really, obviously there's many, many moments where we experience the joy and blessing of that, but in our move, it was just so overwhelming. You know, my, my dad and mom and sister came over while we're under, like we're bringing boxes in and they were in the kitchen unpacking and my sister and my daughter set up our whole pantry and my mom and dad were putting all the kitchen stuff so that we could feel a little settled, you know, even the first night. And so that was just an incredible gift. Like they just went crazy in the kitchen and got so much done for us. And then, uh, like that night we just sat down totally exhausted and there was a little knock at the door 
is one of my best friends, Lori, standing there with some groceries. And she said, I wanted to be here all day to help you move. And she has little people. Of course, she couldn't. And she said, but I just brought you some groceries so you guys would have a proper breakfast in the morning. And it was just so, so incredibly thoughtful and kind. And um, just really grateful for the gift of family and community and just how they've loved us and prayed for us through all of this transition. So. Amen. Yeah, oh, so good. Well, I also want to give a shout out to everybody here in Lafayette at Our Lady of Wisdom, um, University of Louisiana, Father Bryce Sibley, the pastor, and just all the students and everybody who's come to the mission. It's been delightful to spend time with anybody. So shout out to Louisiana. Can we just say hello, all you people there? You're awesome. Right. We're going to Louisiana a couple times next year. Excited about that. So it is our desire this week, dear friends, that um, you encounter the Father in a very beautiful way, that he comes to strengthen you and to tenderly bring you to his heart and all the places that we find ourselves hiding that he comes to to bring us home. So happy Lent. Happy Lent. Keep going. We're in this with you. And until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. If our podcast has blessed you, would you please consider financially supporting Abiding Together via Patreon? Patreon is a website where people can make donations to help keep the podcast going. And now that we at Abiding Together have an independent platform, we have a number of costs that go into creating the podcast and the high quality content we offer, such as our website, design, tech support, staff, and other elements. Having an independent platform also allows us to explore and create new content for all of our listeners to enjoy. So thank you so much to all of you who are already donors. When you donate through our page on Patreon, you are able to donate any amount, $1 a month, $5 a month, $500 a month, or just a one-time offering. Abiding Together is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, and donations are tax deductible. So would you please prayerfully consider giving to Abiding Together? If you donate $15 or more per month, you become a tribe member, and you will receive a short individual video from Michelle, Heather, and I each month about a variety of topics. You can see all of the information on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash abiding together podcast. So consider becoming a supporting member today and help us further the work of the Holy Spirit moving in and through this community. Together, we can do amazing things. We are so grateful for your support and may God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? Could you also leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. All the show notes are in your podcast app, but if you'd like them emailed to you, you can go to our website at abidingtogetherpodcast.com and subscribe. On our website, you will also find all of our past episodes and information about various episodes. You can also join our private Facebook group and get in on the discussion and all the beautiful things that are happening there. We are so glad that you are on the journey with us. And until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you.